0: May be seated once you've embraced your brother or sister. Amen. Family time is so important. We need one another. Amen. And in working to create a dynamic when we come together, and I don't like the word "working," but rather. Giving God available time in our life to where we feel the sense of this is not a group that's too big. But at the same time, we got plenty of room to grow. Amen. But it, we, it feels like a small group because we're family. Right. Amen. Amen. It has that feeling to where we're with family. Amen. And that's important. And our community is looking for this in their lives. And, and and right now in our culture, the pushback is real. We're not going to focus on what's wrong with our culture. We're going to focus on what's right about what God is doing in the middle of some of the challenges that we are all facing. Amen. We have hope, and we have that because God gives it freely. Amen. Today we're talking about a topic, what are you armed with? Amen. What are you armed with? And um, we need to decide today, amen, give God some, some room to talk to us about what we're actually armed with. And uh, every day we make a choice. We choose who we're going to serve. And um, it's really intriguing to consider that, amen, we are very, 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 very powerful And the enemy knows that on a level that he's working overtime. He don't stop working to manipulate from us this power. There's nobody in this room that's not powerful. There's nobody in the earth that's not powerful. But his goal is to put enough leaven in our way of thinking, the way we look through our eyes, the way we hear through our ears, to just put enough twist and leaven in it that he has access to use the power that God invested in us for his own kingdom purpose. And we've come to realize here at New Life Fellowship, and and God's speaking this pretty clearly across the world right now. He's challenging us to wake up to the reality. Uh, the, the, The kingdom of the enemy, we call it the kingdom of hell. It's a religious enemy, a religious kingdom. Amen. And he comes as a counterfeit. He comes as a counterfeit. And so he's okay with you quoting the scripture. Some people don't realize that he's okay with that as long as he's allowed access to talk to you about how to look at that scripture. Amen? And so I want to open up today with uh, a a little story, a couple of stories in the scripture that lets you know that it's important that we evaluate how we're armed. In 2 Kings 6, there's a king of Amram that... that, uh, Is very upset because he's not able to get to Jerusalem and take it and there's a prophet by the name of Elijah that keeps letting the king of Israel know this is their next ploy this is their next play and so the king of Israel is always not there when the king of Amram wants to attack and take them and so the king is starting to blame the people that's working with him, we've got a uh, spy. We've got someone that's on the other side giving them all the information. And one of the servants let the king know, No, oh king, uh, it's as though Elijah is in your secret chamber when you're talking about this, and he just hands the message off. And so the king of Aram. He now focuses on Elijah. I'm going to take him out. Now, that's the spirit of our world right now. The spirit of our world wants to take out the message of the kingdom. He wants to take out the body of Christ having influence in our world. And I think we all know that. So, in this particular setting, uh, the message gets to uh, Amram where Elijah is. And Elijah's servant wakes up, and it says it this way, when the servant, in verse 15, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. And he says to Elijah, what will we do now? And the young man cries it out. I mean, he is obviously full of terror. And Elisha said, do not be, don't be afraid. Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Amen. Uh, this is so important for us to get. God gives us good types and shadows in the old to reveal something in on this side of the cross that's more powerful than was then. And that's pretty powerful what that young man witnessed when, when, the, when the man of God was com- confident and sure about the fact that his protector was with him because he could see it. Anybody want eyes to see with today? And so the Lord wants to enlighten the eyes of your understanding today. He wants you to see from a new perspective so that you can relax. Is that okay? Has anybody dealt with fear the last few years? Frustration, anxiety. The Lord wants to open your eyes and show you that they that are for you are more than they that are against you. Now that sounds like a good news. And everybody said, Well, I want to believe that for me. Yes. God wants to give you an experience that you're not guessing. Let me say it this way. Parents, all parents need to relax. The children belong to the Lord. He says it himself. They're his heritage. He has given us the responsibility as his stewards, amen, to trust him with his heritage. You're not going to make your children righteous as parents. They're not going to be good because you decided, I'm going to make sure they're good when they grow up. This is important as we go because right now in our world, when you, when you consider all that's going on, how in the world can you live up to the cultural pressure and provide for your children with all the stuff, the Internet, Google, I mean, all the information coming in like a flood. Is anybody How, how do you protect them? You can't. Oh yeah I can. well then what you, when you protect them from it, what, what, what are you going to end up with? The parents need to know this. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. They don't exist. Now, from heaven's lens, he thinks you're God says you're perfect. To him, he he believes in every parent. But in this world, without God, you can do nothing. Every parent messes up. Every parent makes bad choices. The sooner we become humble and and live a life of repentance, broken, that's more attractive to the children than the idea that we got it all together. The children are gonna find out sooner or later, much much sooner than you think, that you don't have it all together. And they're gonna need to know how are you making it because of your frailty and the stuff and things that you're hosting in your own life. They're gonna to need to know where, how do you make it? And we, we must point them to the source. Amen. The sooner they can catch that and get the breath of life and start experiencing hearing on the level that God wants them to hear and their eyes open to see, oh man, I thought this world was really bad. Mm, the Lord has got it covered. And he covered it 2,000 years ago when he took our sentence upon himself. Is that okay? Is that bringing some hope today to somebody? I'm encouraging you? Uh, So as good of a parent as you are, you can't match the one that is the true father, the church who is the true mother. Amen? We We can be who we're designed to be if we're focused on pleasing God. This will help some of you parents. If you're working overtime trying to please your children, you're going to fail. Got to catch this. If you please God, you can serve your children by pleasing God. Matter of fact, every relationship in your life, every relationship in your life needs you. Every relationship in your life needs you to please God so you can better serve them Amen. To catch the revelation on pleasing God. Yes. Amen. Because when we please Him, anything can happen. And He's not asking us to do anything. Amen. I Guess what God's been saying? I know, I know that's hard to swallow, but you're, you're, not, you're not good enough to perform like Him. There's only one good, and that's God. He needs our availability, He's asking us to listen listen and experience what we're hearing that's how he knows us so we're empowered to follow him that's the only doing he's asking to trust 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 the temptation amen that i have to deal with besides number one problem self-will is to try to be a good guy it's never worked out for me you know you can pull the wool over people's eyes for only so long and eventually <clears throat> man i thought you were but now i know is anybody catching this that's why we need to be in him he needs to be the 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 the, the flow of power and authority and dominion i mean there's people in your path right now that that need you to be the powerful person, son, or daughter that God has designed you to. They need you to be Christ. They need me to be Christ. And, the, and the, one of the greatest things that we can do is get honest and transparent. Tell the truth and repent and live a life of repentance. Amen? It, it's attractive. Amen to God. Now you don't want to get too much into the details of all the stuff you've been involved in. Amen? You can tell your story, but only tell the story as the Spirit of God leads you. Amen? There's some details in your story you need to be asking the Lord to help you when it's time to tell them. Amen? Do we all, have we all fallen short of God At some point in our life and did the grace of God pick you up and did he remind you that's not who you are this is who you are anybody been there before everybody's been there amen he is not calling you something that the world will call you we've all been touched by it Jesus is dealing with a jealous and self-willed religious group in Jerusalem prior to passover and this group this religious group is manipulating the groups that are coming in from all the nations manipulating them to get riled up against jesus and they're stirring up a very strong rebellion against the the lord jesus and it says this in uh, matthew 28 or 26 49 so judas when jesus went to pray he carried a couple of his disciples with him Judas, another one of his disciples, came straight to Jesus, knowing where he prayed. He was aware of where Jesus went to pray. And greetings, he said to him, Rabbi, we, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. And Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. And then the others grabbed was Peter Simon Peter pulled out his sword and struck the high priest slave slashing off his ear Jesus said put away your sword those who use the sword will die by the sword don't you realize now this is important I'll underline this if you if you've taken notes Jesus says don't you realize that it that I could ask my father for thousands and he would send them instantly. But Jesus says this, but if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? And Jesus said to the crowd, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? keep in mind, all Jesus went around doing was good. He had no record that he was a revoltist. He, He was one that was trying to cause an uprising among the people. All he did was go around and do good. And he challenges them. Am I someone that you have seen cause this kind of trouble in Israel? <laughs> what would happen if you didn't have any challenges and suffering in your life? Mm-hmm. Jesus tells the group, he just said it. He said, "Don't you know that I could call a thousands of angels, but I would miss out on the most powerful event?" All because I'm bothered by a challenge of suffering? He's trying to teach his boys something, isn't he? So he is obviously armed with something that they're not aware of. Amen. Now I'm going to give you a heads up as we talk about this next few moments. Jesus goes down in water and he's baptized. He comes up out of that water and the voice from heaven, the spirit descended upon him like as a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. He has the message of the kingdom, right? The spirit that descended upon him after he was baptized leads him into the wilderness. He goes into the wilderness. He's tempted of the devil. He comes out of the wilderness in power. Amen. Now that 40 days and nights that he was in the wilderness was a challenge for him. But he went through a challenge and come out in power. And he comes back to Israel, and his ministry, preferable ministry, begins, and he starts inviting select people, not that they were better than the other group, it's because they were hungry and thirsty. He could tell he could sense who was hungry and who was thirsty. And he was picking. He picked out a small group, amen, to come follow him. And he promised them that if you'll come follow me, I will make you fishermen of men. Amen? Jesus begins to reveal to them what it looks like to be a steward of the manifold grace of God. He begins to show them how to turn the other cheek. Amen. How to deal with resistance, rejection, people saying things that were not true about Jesus, calling him, amen, uh, a devil, saying that he cast out demons by the very spirit of Beelzebub. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And he's showing them how to respond when there's pressure and there's challenges going on that's not fair, so to speak. He's teaching them how to be a steward of the manifold grace of God. He goes to the place to where they finally capture him, of which I read, and he's kind to the people that corral him, and they bind him. He's kind to them. He's gentle. He turns the other cheek. They take him to a kangaroo court, and they accuse him of things that's not true. And then there are a few things they accuse him of that was true. He was God in the flesh, they found out soon later. And so he's revealing what it looks like to be a steward of the very grace of God because he was in love with the people. He loved humanity. Matter of fact, he's, he said at one time before they, they, they took him, he he cried over Jerusalem. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How oft. And he says of Jerusalem, this is the place where all the prophets have died and you're about to kill another one. But how would I have gathered, How often would I gather thee as a hen doth her own chicks, but you were self-willed. In one translation it says you were stubborn and you wouldn't let me. Anybody ever been stubborn before? How many of us have felt the Spirit of God Ah, yes. And then while we're feeling him, he's drawing us, we still have a will of our own that wants to go. And, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, and yet he'll come and touch us again, and he'll reach for us again and again and again, all the while letting us feel his presence and know that, His goodness and His grace is ever-present. If we make our bed in hell, He says, I'm there with you. And eventually there's going to come a time when you open up and say, okay, I've had enough, Lord. I've tried it. I've tried to do it my way long enough. Here, come get me. Amen. Amen. Self-will is real. Jesus dies at the very hands of the ones He loves. He went about doing good. He healed them, he fed them, he gave them hope, he edified them every time they was around him. Wow, they just couldn't get enough of him. They would hang out with him three days at a time, and then he would feed them. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? But there was a massive group coming in for the feast day. They hadn't experienced Jesus on that level. And the religious group took advantage of that to corner him so that they could kill him. And as a steward of grace, he could have called thousands of angels to wipe them out. But there was something more important. And I'm just telling someone here today, come on, parents. I feel like that our world is putting on the children. We're going to be okay. He's got it. Amen. You want to arm yourself today. You want to arm yourself. And so they, they kill him. He comes out of the grave, y'all. And as a steward of grace, he goes into hell, suffers what we deserved, comes out of it, leading captivity captive. And then he steps out, and then the very ones that killed him, he now ministers to them reconciliation he doesn't hold it to their charge he then gives them the message of hope letting them know it's time to be reconciled from where you are in that spirit that 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 killed me i now want to reconcile you into your true identity and jesus came god come in flesh y'all and showed us how to arm ourselves as stewards of the grace of God and ministers of reconciliation. According to Jesus, that is the only identity and the, uh, the ultimate identity because of all of creation, God wants to, us to see him on the, from the lens that, he, you know, creation couldn't recognize, they couldn't know him as the God of grace and the God of reconciliation unless there was trouble. According to God's will, beauty comes out of what? Ashes. You may think you and beauty. If they hadn't been trouble and there hadn't been no stuff going on that's unfair, you just have just a false idea of what beauty is. According to God, beauty comes out of ashes. Amen. I want to read you a few passages that will help you understand this. Amen. A little bit better. And so it is in John 16 talking about arming ourselves. And, and, and of course, we're always going to go back to the, the source, the Spirit of God. Being filled with the Spirit of God is the best way you can arm yourself to have power to be God's witness. And what is God's witness? Stewards of grace, ministers of reconciliation. Amen. So you may have to get slapped a few times so you can demonstrate Christ from the lens of grace. And once the people that hurt you so bad have recognized, whoo, man, how did you do that? Glad you asked. I got a good message for you called reconciliation. And they become your family. They become your confidant. They become your re-reward. Amen. This is good. Anybody need some real good friends? The one that's hurting you the worst probably is going to be your best friend if you'll just be a steward of grace. Amen. And the moment will come when you will be baptizing them in his name and reconciling them from a fallen identity into their true god-given identity as children of god amen anybody about your father's business you're going to find out as we read a few more moments that god's business is about us demonstrating grace and reconciling people to christ that's the business amen and that's his harvest In verse 33 of John 16, And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. I'm going to say that one more time. That the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Amen. Walking in the spirit is how we arm ourselves. For in this unbelieving world, if if we'll let the Lord fill us with his spirit and fire, in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrow. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Now, what's he saying to me there? He's simply telling me I've already been through all the hard stuff i took all the heavy stuff i done all the heavy carrying and how i done that with the spirit that descended on me after i was baptized he's telling his group that's basically what he's telling the group. i went in the water i fulfilled all righteousness by being baptized and when i come up the spirit descended on me and i conquered the world is this helping somebody there ain't nobody intelligent enough to conquer the world. They've been trying it for millennials. No man can conquer the world but one. Amen. Is anybody in Christ? Those who are in Christ, you are now new. All things are possible now. 1 Peter 4, 6, four, one. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... Arm yourself also with the same attitude, the same spirit, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Now, this is important for, for you today if you really want to win. Suffering with Christ, in other words, when you feel like knocking your somebody out because you just got hit by them and you want to retaliate and you refuse to retaliate, but you rather say, okay, Lord, I don't know what to do, you're going to have to help me. The moment you decide that the Lord has the best steps in this matter instead of your steps, and you yield to his ways which are higher than our ways, his thoughts which are higher than our thoughts, the moment you do that and I do that, this is what, uh, what Peter's telling us. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God of god you want to beat sin you want to beat the world and the influence of the world ah say lord you say that i have your identity and that i'm a steward of grace and a minister of reconciliation now i'm going to need your presence i'm going to need your spirit empowerment to help me live up to this identity and the lord's going to come back and let you know if you truly embrace that reality He's going to let you know, thank you, I'm glad you're finally letting me in. And when you step up to the plate to go with him, be sure you understand this, ladies and gentlemen. It's the best walk, this, it's called light and easy. Anybody want a light that's light and easy? I can assure you I know what I'm talking about on this one. Well, then find where there's the greatest resistance and get right in it and move, move with Christ. Because that's where he's going to be. The thing that you're more fearful of, the thing that you are challenged mostly with, is the area by which God wants you to conquer with Him. He's already conquered it for you. And the way we have dominion over the world is we walk through Him and we know Him in the fellowship of His suffering. Now, someone just heard me say, You mean I got to be crucified? No, I didn't say that. You're not the Messiah. You can take up your own cross, which is called self-will. That hard-headed person in the mirror you're dealing with every day, take up your own cross and get that cat in the the grave. Because him or her, they're not helping you. Got to make sure that Christ ah, is on board. And the moment you decide he's on board, I can assure you that the thing that you fear the greatest, he wants you to walk with him through it. Because every time you trust him and you take it on the cheek, amen, I don't want to have to do this. And then you turn it, you're overcoming the world. Now, it took me quite some time to yield to that truth. I didn't turn the cheek a few times. Well, I didn't turn the cheek a lot of times. And all I was doing was putting myself on hold to experiencing God on the level that he wanted me to experience him because I didn't trust him yet. But the moment you trust him and you go there and you're willing to suffer with him, that means people are going to reject you when you carry his message. We're not getting people's face. When you go about with Jesus, you're going about and doing what? Good. Amen. You're edifying You're encouraging, you're building people up, you're salty, you're the light of the earth, you're not hidden under a bush. you're out out front, you're not in people's face. You're out there. The religious spirits of this world are jealous of you. They're jealous because people will become attracted to you and they'll want you to mentor them. They'll, They'll be trying to get in line for you to take them under your wings and love on them. The re- hell hates you when you go there. The spirit of this world rejects that. But the moment you and I decide that we're going to live up to our identity, come on. There, there's four types of soul. I can already tell I'm not going. To, get to leave it alone. There's four types of soul according to Jesus. You got wayside. That's the ground that's traveled you got stony ground and you got thorny ground and then you got good ground now i'm convinced all the ground can be cultivated into good ground all of it it just take a little while for that wayside ground been trampling on quite some time been a lot of intelligent thoughts that are not kingdom thoughts in that ground religious thinking jesus said that those all four types of ground here The voice of God. All four types. The wayside ground hear it, and they don't understand it. What would you think would be the problem on them not understanding it? They're already intelligent. They don't need God. But yet God lets them hear his word, his voice. And they don't understand it because logically it don't fit. That ground produces nothing because they don't understand. Then there's the group that's stony ground. They hear it, and for a season they rejoice. But because their relationship is shallow, when the heat comes, it it just don't work out because they're still not letting God have all their heart. Then there's the thorny ground. They hear the word and they spring up quickly and they take root, but the thorns of life, the cares of life, cause them to have a divided heart because they're seeking success in the world. And they fail and they're unproductive. But then there's that good ground. Well, when the word of the Lord comes and they hear it, The roots go down deep. Ah. And they embrace what they hear with a whole heart, according to one of the translations. They embrace it fully. We have to have God help us to embrace things fully. Amen. So, remember this. When you hear God's voice, an experience always comes with it. The temptation is... If you don't let God come on in, if you're wayside ground, you'll explain it away because you don't understand it. And I've heard people talk about, it. I don't understand the Holy Spirit and fire. I've heard it. Man, if I understood it, I'd be open to it. Well, you're never going to understand the Holy Spirit in fire. That's called God, He's incomprehensible but he's only knowable, amen, as you allow him to come. You can begin to have relationship with him or, you know, stony ground. You know, you spring up for a moment, but as soon as there's some pressure, as soon as there's some resistance, as soon as there's some rejection, as soon as there's somebody rubbing their proverbial religious beard and challenging you, you cave in. Around. This has happened some of us today. Self-will is an ugly thing, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. When I talk about the guy in the mirror, I'm talking about self-will. Look, Peter and Paul both made it clear that if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Mm. Right? right? Then Jesus, however, says... Not everyone that calls on the name of the Lord. <laughs> Matthew 7. So what's the problem here? Well, it, does everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, are they saved? Yes. How? Because they fully embrace. Mm. Jesus said, only a few be who call on my name, that actually fully embrace me. Many will say on that day, on judgment day, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me, ye ye who were self-willed, iniquity. In other words, lawless. You know what the word iniquity? The example they use for iniquity in the dictionary. I use this example: that you take your car and you on purposely run under, run over somebody. That's iniquity, lawlessness, no regard to what is God's treasure. That was in the dictionary. Like really, wow! And how many times have I offended precious people in my path? because i didn't embrace him wholeheartedly i didn't arm myself ladies and gentlemen i'm telling you i I can preach this message to you i've always wanted to be a good guy i've always been attached to church had good people in my life working and serving me and helping me accept jesus and 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 make steps towards him but Amen. It's taken God quite some time to get self-will out of me. Self-will is an ugly thing. And self-will is the pri- primary problem of soul that's not good. All soul has the potential, but it needs to be cultivated. Amen. Are we open as God's sons and daughters to let him cultivate us? Can he turn the soul over in your life and get the stones out and the bad seed and get your soul ready to experience him on a level that will help you step into your identity and walk with him? Because we can't walk with him until we're willing to be who he says we are from his lens. And he don't make no junk. Everybody in this room can steward the grace of God and minister reconciliation. But if I'm not wholeheartedly with this, when the time comes, if the pressure's too great, I'll dodge out, I'll duck out. And I'll find someone else that's a little bit more spiritual than me to go, I mean, I need you to handle it. And and that's okay when I'm not healthy and when I'm not mature enough to get someone that will mentor me on how to deal with rejection Mm. and how to deal with challenges. I'm just telling you, the majority of the church world needs to be mentored. The majority of professed believers need to be equipped. And, And I'm just telling you, Jesus took some time, according to Scriptures, He took some time with His small group that followed him, and even when it come, hey, you come out of the grave, he says, you're still not ready. I need you to hang out a little bit so that you can embrace wholeheartedly what I'm about to do. And when you are filled with the spirit of promise, then, because you're empowered, you can be my witness. But unless I arm myself with the spirit of God, I'm not going to steward the grace of God. I can't. I'm not empowered to. You'll try all day long, and eventually you'll just quit, and all of a sudden, there you go. boom, shakalaka, it's on. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you didn't want to go there. You didn't mean to go there. You regret you went there. But the Lord don't quit. Oh, I Failed the test. Well, you're going to get to take it again. But if you're going to take the test, take it with him on board. Take it with him getting you on fire so that when you feel like people are being mean to you and you're being rejected and pushed on and treated unfairly, all of a sudden the standard in your life is not you or the person in the mirror. The standard in your life is the presence of God. The very essence of his spirit becomes your standard. And what you couldn't do, he now does through you because you made yourself available. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, Quick story. My mother and her siblings told me how that their parents were kind of not cool. Anybody had parents that wasn't cool before? And so my mother was being honest with me one day, and she said, I'm kind of jealous because you're getting the mother I didn't get in Grandma Wallace. She told me just like that. She said, I didn't know your mama as my mother like you know her. But somewhere she embraced wholeheartedly because she went to church and she tried to be a good Christian. But she was according to my mom and her her siblings, she was mean. She manipulated and she controlled the house. And I said, "Really? And she said, "I guess I'm still offended." <laughs> but she was honest with her her, her her jealousy that we were enjoying and, and, and we... We all, all the grandkids, like, that's the greatest grandma that's ever been. And mom was just helping me because I needed to hear her say those things so that I could understand the process that was going on in my own life. And I could encourage someone else that eventually grandma came to a place where she could steward the grace of God, not take it personal, and by living for him. By having fellowship with him, she was able to become a minister of reconciliation. And she baptized people. And she saw them filled with the Spirit. And she encouraged and mentored them. And she done that all the way to her last breath. Amen. That was good for me. And it's good for me to tell you about it today. Because we have a a, a character in the Bible that I'm closing with for the sake of our parents. Elijah calling fire down from heaven, y'all. Calling fire down from heaven. He was out of character in that too, as well. Wasn't a, a Christ character because he mocked the false prophets. And, and that wasn't the character of Christ, how he did it. Now keep in mind, Jesus didn't give room for religious spirits, and he would call them vipers and serpents. You know. Sepulchers that full of dead men's bones. I mean, he was straight up about it, but that's what it was. But after Elijah has killed 850 prophets, he's outrun a chariot, passing up the king, waving at him. Ain't nobody going to catch him. Ain't nobody going to. But he, he is totally eat up with fear over a lady that says, this day you're going to be as the prophets of Baal. I means I'm gonna kill you today ah, he's acting like a little girl with lace and he's running he's screaming sucking his thumb complaining but after he goes to the cave which took a long journey to get there I'm abbreviating it and he goes in the Lord's <laughs> the Lord waits on him you know the Lord will wait on us to go to our little cave anybody anybody got your little cave we all have our little cave. And when we get there, he says the same thing. He says, you're like, what are you doing here? And he's okay that we puke on him. He's like, he's a good fight He just let us puke on him. He changes our diaper. He gives us powder and all that stuff. And, just and he said, but I want to show you something. And he shows him the wind, the fire, the earthquake, and then oh, the voice of God. on the voice of God arm yourself with hearing arm yourself with hearing I'm not just saying this here I'm talking about arm yourself with hosting the presence of God it works and he leaves that cave and you don't want to get in his path he ain't gonna beat nobody up he is fully focused as a steward of grace on mission to reconcile Israel. That's what he was trying to do when he was calling fire down. it's trying to reconcile Israel back to identity. And so he goes and he anoints prophets and kings. Ain't that awesome? After he hears can You imagine if you tune in you're hearing what you can do for God. And it's not it's not it's not about you, it's about God and them. All God's asking for you to do is just tune in for station identification. Just listen. Fellowship with what you're hearing. Trust him. He didn't tell you to go do anything else. Follow me. I'm just going to inform you as we go what we're doing. And I'm only going to give you a little bit of information. I need you to worship me with trust. Does anybody want to go there? Yeah, you do because the world ain't helping us. And it's not cool when stuff is coming down around us and we don't know what's going to happen next. I'm telling you, a lot of Christians are freaking out over the world right now in the war and the economy and the politics and the diseases. The Christians are freaking out. And the Spirit of the Lord is trying to speak through the prophet. Fear not. Lord, open their eyes and let them see. There are more for us than there is against us. What are you armed with today? And to the parents right now, the Lord just wants you to relax. It's okay. You don't have nothing to fear. It's the perfect scenario right now. The reason we're where we are is because God has a plan he just wants to know are you gonna let him on board because he can handle it and I know today that I'm, I'm talking to a group that said you know <laughs> I've had enough uh, I don't have any answers you've been working overtime trying to figure out how to protect your children you look at the end of the day if he's not protecting them they're unprotected in this world the Lord wants you to know There ain't no such thing as a parent that's got it all together. There's a God who is Lord in a parent's life, amen, that helps them keep it together. Would that be true? And he's he's, he's encouraging the parents right now. Fear not. This next generation, even though it looks like they're just going to implode, there ain't no hope fear not we don't want to miss out on what's about to happen the best thing that you that's ever happened in our world is about to happen right now and it's going to happen through the next generation and we get to shoulder it in Jesus name and so he wants to open up your eyes could we all stand how many parents we got here Wait, lift your hands up how many parents want your eyes to be opened to what God's doing and those, those, those kids of yours that you love dearly that act like they're, not, they're going the wrong way? Uh-uh. Where they at right now? It's, it's playing in God's perfect plan. They're going to be more powerful and they're going to be more effective for Him. Amen? Because He's the one that trusts us where we're at. He just wants to know, do we believe in Him? Do we believe He's in charge? Does anybody believe He's in charge? He's got you and He's got the children. What he's asking from us right now in this room, does he have our tongue and our heart? He needs our hearts so that the tongue that he's given you will begin to prophesy what you hear him saying. Amen. And he sent his word and healed <clears> them. <throat> Could I encourage all the parents that w- would like to be honest <clears throat> to come down and say, you know what, Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. And he wants to open your eyes today. He's got it. And he wants you to leave today with hope like you've never had. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. It's not the way it looks from the lens of the world. There's more for you than is against you. Amen. Can we receive that today? Father, thank you for your word. We've come here today to arm ourselves with spirit and with fire. We've come today to receive the promise that you gave 2,000 years ago and still available to whosoever will call on your name. Thank you in advance right now, Lord, for your presence in this room. And thank you for meeting us where we are. Because we want to see the miracle that you have for the next generation. And we're willing as parents to take our role and please you so we can better serve the next generation, Lord. We want to please you. And I found out what pleases you is if I'll just host you. If I'll just make room for you, Lord. Let's lift our hands and surrender to heaven today. Mm. be filled